wake up with the intent to work out and they do absolutely nothing. So I always remind people, hey, you're here, that's half the battle, right? Just coming here, you're already, already ahead of the game. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the benefits of going to a, a workout class, right? What's, what's the motivation to get someone there? It, it's tough. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, and like, what keeps you motivated? What motivates you to work out? And I just try to remind people, everyone has a different motivation. I ask my clients, every class, actually, I'm like, hey, what's your motivation? What brought you here today? Just remind yourself of that every time you walk through the door. Um, your motivation changes from day to day, from week to week, maybe from hour to hour. Maybe your motivation today is just to get there. I'm, my motivation is to get there today. Maybe you're motivated by physical appearance. There's nothing wrong with that. People tell me, hey, I just want to look good in a bikini. I want to I wanna go on a date and feel confident. Some people, it's health reasons, right? I'm motivated because my mom just passed away of diabetes, and I don't want that to be me. Um, so there's just several reasons, and I tell people, you just got to constantly remind yourself what motivates you. What motivates me is because I decided to make fitness my life, my career, and that motivates me because I want to practice what I preach. I just don't want to be, you know, that gym teacher with the pot belly telling me to walk the dirt track in middle school. <laughs> and, um, you know, you want to live the example. I don't want to be that trainer that talks to talk but doesn't walk to walk. So you have the intent. Like, what motivated you to think about working out today and kind of hang on to that? Well, I, yeah, I was thinking from saying that, it, from you saying that, it sounds like you're one of those people that, you, do you ever feel like you're working? Say that one more time. You, you do something that feels like, uh, it sounds like you have a passion for. So does it feel like you're working? Does it feel like um, my passion for is working? I'm sorry, you were a little low. Yeah, does it, I mean, does it feel like, because also, working is, well, uh, I dread working, and I'm sure your, your work is exhausting. Oh. Well, you probably love doing it. I do, I do. You know, I know the only thing that I dread um, when I go into work to teach, it's always in the back of my head, is I'm nervous that whoever is taking the class doesn't like it. That's the only thing. You get nervous. Kind of like a performer going on stage, I get nervous. Like, man, I hope they like it. I'm giving it my all. I hope they like it. I wouldn't call it dread. It's just like the nerves. Like, I always get the nerves, the butterflies before I teach. Yeah, that's got to be the difference. You, you don't actually yeah. dread going to work. That no, sounds not awesome. At all. I never dread going to work. That sounds the awesome. Ones are tough, yeah. You know, waking up at 5 a.m. That stuff. I don't dread it, though. I don't dread it. It, it could be challenging getting up really early. I don't dread it. Yeah. Not at all. Because it sounds like it also helps you. Uh, doing this job helps you and you're helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very rewarding. Very rewarding. I used to work HR for a oh. company that just went out of business, by the way, Prize.com. I worked for them. And, oh, my God, talk about dreading a job, sitting in a cubicle all day, punching numbers. And I, I, I knew that this is not what I want to do. And that kind of pushed me into just what do I like to do? I like teaching. I like training. So. So you just started this. 
No, no, I've been doing this for 12 years now, training and teaching. Yeah, it's been that long since I sat, like, at a, I don't even think it's possible for me to sit at a desk for more than, like, one hour. So it's been 12 years since I had, you know, the typical 9 to 5, clock in, clock out, sit in an office, corporate type setting. Wow, so now you've made this your, your more only thing now. Uh, yeah. Do you do, do you do online and virtual stuff? Yeah, you know, I just... I'm surprised, I'm being honest, I didn't think the virtual was going to kick off, but COVID, I mean, even now, people still are doing virtual workouts. I think it's dope. I really think it's dope. Actually, I think it's the future of fitness with all the on-demand stuff, Peloton and all these, the mirror. You have, you now have this on-demand trainer that you can click a button and watch and train whenever it's convenient for you. And it, I mean, to stay alive in fitness, you have to stay relevant, so... Yeah, the virtual is going good. I I have I not really done it, but I, I feel like it, it could be better. You're just rolling out of bed, and then you're, yeah. you could just work out. Yeah, it is. It's easier for people. You just roll out of bed, turn it on, turn the monitor on, your tablet, and, and go. I, I kind of feel like some it, people, and then you get those yeah. people that are introverted, right? Some people don't like being around other people, and that's okay. Some people don't like being in groups, so I think these on-demand virtual classes are great for those kind of introverted people. And there's a lot of introverted people in the Bay Area, so the Come Valley, right? Yeah, for me, I, I think it would help pe to have people around, uh, just I see what they're doing, and I got someone yelling at me. Uh, mm -hmm. If I stayed home, I'd probably cheat. Uh, I might sk yeah, yeah. skip ahead. You can't see what I'm doing. Um, yeah. But on the bright side, I kind of would like to surprise people with my muscles. You yeah. Know? They're, they're like, did you take any classes? Like, they don't know I'm taking a class because it's online. Yeah. But, yeah. So it de depends on the person, I guess. Yeah, it definitely depends on the person. Um, even how I teach it. So virtually, you talked about, like, slacking off. So when I'm teaching virtually, I have to put more energy and effort in teaching virtually than I would in person. So in person, I can just kind of do a hand clap, great job, great job. But virtually, I'm going to over-exaggerate. I'm like, great job. You kind of have that. You kind of got to, like, act a little bit <laughs> to what? get people to try to feel that energy through a screen. So it is a little tougher teaching it. Wait, so you can see the people? Is, is like on, Zoom on Zoom. I'm using Zoom for the platform. So oh, it's up okay. to that person if they want to have their camera on or not. I try to motivate people, you know, encourage them to have that camera on so I can give corrective cues. But it's up to them. But even if people have their camera off, I'll call them out. So if we're holding a blank for a minute, the odds of someone, like, dropping down to their knees or kind of slacking off about 20 seconds in is extremely high, right? So about 20 seconds in, I might call someone out and say, hey, Sarah, you got this. Remember, keep your hips level with your shoulders. Let's go. Let's go. I'll say something like, hey, it's okay if you drop those knees down. Just bring it right back up. So you just kind of... Think about the average person would probably need a little pep talk or an adjustment about at this time. So you just you just imagine what you think they would be doing. And, and uh, so yeah, I was looking at your website, and I'm expecting different names here. I guess because that's I've been to a lot of gyms. This is just you. Uh, the whole uh, gym is just you, and you own it, and or. Uh, on that danielfitness.com, like you're in San Jose, I believe, right? Right, yeah, San Jose. And and there's no other instructors? No, it's all me. So wow. Daniel 
CrossFit is an online platform. It's just me, but I did just recently <coughs> open up a studio with my partner, Johan Francis, and it's specific spin and strength. So that's the in-person where you're, you'll come and try spin lotties or kettlebells, boxing, strength. Yeah, Lots is, of options for everyone. What is this uh, spin latte? Spin lotties. Oh, lotties. It's my baby. It's a format I created myself. It's 30 minutes of indoor cycling. So you think of like a fusion of soul cycle and cycle bar, but then when you're done on the bike, you get off and we take it down to our mat to do Pilates for 15 to 20 minutes. So you're getting cardio, core, and strength to get that total body workout. It's the format I created. You're, wow. So you're, you're not only doing these workouts, but you're creating them. You're, you're like an Albert Einstein. Yeah, that's my that's fitness. my baby. I'm working on getting a trademark license and, and hopefully just grow it and you see where it goes. And that's your favorite class? What would you say is your most popular class? Uh, the most popular, it is Spin Lotties. I'm gonna, kettlebells, people love kettlebells. I think it's just, it's something new. So kettlebells is pretty popular. Yeah, that's something you gotta come to the class for. Not everyone's got a kettle, a kettlebell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's new, I think COVID, I think there was like a shortage, they ran out. Kettlebells were going for like $100 a bell, 150 people were paying two, $300 for one kettlebell, it was crazy. Um, everyone, I think, picked up uh, kettlebells during COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just seeing the, hearing the price of that, that's the kind of stuff people would probably loot. Uh, TVs and kettlebells. Yeah. Have you ever done anything with kettlebells? Yeah, I did, I did the whole, uh, like, grab it and then you're over a bench and then you get that one arm and then switch the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome, man. And it can become addictive. And then I tell people the only way to get better is um, through repetition. So you just got to keep doing it and keep doing it. And I think that's what makes it so like attractive to people is that um, yeah, it's just you get better and better and better the more you do it. Total body workout, cardio and strength, all in one. That's where I want to get the addiction. I, 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 I... It is. Working out could be very addictive. I mean, I have people that take classes two to three times a day. How, how do you get to that level? I mean, I feel, <laughs> I feel it, but then there's also that yeah. pushback to... Yeah. To, there's well, like, you've got to find... And I tell you, you've got to find what works for you, right? You don't... Working out shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be something you wake up and you feel like it's a chore, like, oh, I gotta do the dishes, oh, I have to vacuum, oh, I have to work out. It shouldn't be a chore, right? It should be something you look forward to doing. So it's just finding that right exercise, that right workout, that right gym or format that works for you, right? Some people love dance fitness, some people love yoga. You just kinda gotta find what works for you and maybe you haven't found it yet. Maybe it's not even in a gym. I mean, I know tons of people that hike like every other day or outdoor cycling or they're super active outdoors and and then they're getting it in that way but it takes time sometimes you find something that gets you excited you don't want to misshape your body though you don't want to do Correct. too much of one thing right i try to stress variety to people like you can't do the exact same thing every day yeah well what's a typical work because in your classes i believe from me taking classes um you must have you have like a 
at least three different areas you work on in each class with somebody or uh, of the body? Yeah. So for me, every single class you take, unless it specifies, it's going to be a total body workout. Every single class. That's, I think, what's unique about how I teach group fitness. But you may have a class, like I have an online class, like booty lift. Everyone loves that class, I'm right? Ending that, right yeah. now, everyone wants that big butt. But booty lift, we're primarily going to focus on the butt. But you get a little upper body. We might throw in some planks, upper body, total body, maybe a few push-ups. But um, unless I specify, you're, every class you're going to get a total body workout. Yeah, okay. I was, I was so, the, the, so the, what kind of workout quote would you have because booty lift comes comes to mind there's got to be a quote that uh with with that with that in mind I, I think what what inspirational workout quote would you think to to get people going say that one more time what, what, what kind of inspirational quote would, would you have to get people going and really working out uh, you know something i say a lot is it's it, as you know progress I always tell people, strive for progress, not perfection, right? All I want you to do, I tell people, is progress, little by little. That's how you get stronger. That's how you grow. And it doesn't even have to pertain to fitness. If you're progressing in life, right, you're progressing in work, maybe you're progressing just, just in general. We strive to progress, not to regress. No one's perfect. And I try to tell people that your body's never going to be perfect. But maybe you're progressing. You're lifting a little bit more this week than you did last week. So strive for progress, not perfection, because no one's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of thinking, especially in your Silicon Valley area, I'm thinking, you know, maybe some flyers. People need to realize you don't need to uh, put a, a plastic butt in there. You could booty lift with Danielle. Who do I live with? No, I'm, I'm saying uh, quote-wise, or not quote-wise, just uh, something to put out there, maybe put out there that people don't need a plastic or a surgery but li- a lift. They could just go to you, oh. Daniel Fitness. Man, that drives me bonkers. Yeah, I tell people, well, I think of fitness as longevity, so long-term, long-term, right? Think long-term, because if you develop and build real muscle, you burn real body fat, for the most part, your body will maintain that. So think longevity. In 10 to 15 years, is your lipo that you got still gonna work? Are the implants that you got still gonna be where they were 10 years ago? So I I always think longevity. So if I started my fitness journey, which I did about 12 years ago, it's so much easier for me to maintain my body. And I hope as I continue to work out, I look you know, relatively the same in 10 to 15 years. But uh, I always tell people, hey, it's so much cheaper to just exercise and work out and diet versus getting the lipo or the quick fix or the, you know, but... Um, yeah, yeah, the way it feels, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not natural. I don't want to... I don't want to smack it and then it's just like, wait, it's not going anywhere. Um, so, I'm shocked because there's this new thing of, like men getting like muscle implants and stuff it's crazy it's like it doesn't end but yeah okay yeah I that's... just say for aesthetic too i mean wouldn't you rather look more natural but i mean 
yeah, that's... it's a generational thing, and I feel like it's very common in our culture. So people, it used to be kind of taboo, and people hide it, right? Oh, I had lipo or plastic surgery. Now it's just, it's just part of the culture, and it's normalized. Like it's normal to just go and get lipo if you gain weight. Oh yeah, okay, the muscle implant. That sounds okay. That sounds like a another topic of uh, uh, the, the attack on uh, um, natural masculinity. But I have a uh, so yeah, we're gonna uh, gonna get some live music going on, and so I'm gonna let you go. But uh, so I had some questions. Oh, and then you know, outro. Let's tell everyone where to find you. But I got some yeah. uh, questions from people listening in, and uh -huh. so three of how many days per week do should someone work out? I think that just means how many days per week should uh, someone work out? Well, I tell people, I, I'm being totally honest. You can work out every single day a week. Now, are you doing the same workout? I don't recommend it, right? Because then it's repetition. You yeah. might be hurting joints and weird. wearing down muscles, but. Um, Maybe one day you're going to go for a run for 30 minutes. The next day you lift. You want to change it up. So, like, for me, Sunday, it's considered a rest day. So I would do more, like, stretching or yoga or very low impact. But you should be active for at least 30 minutes every single day, every day. It's a part of your life. Remember, it's not a chore. It's just something you do. You eat every day. You shower every day. You... You know, it's just a part of your life. So it's something you should be doing every day. Yeah, yeah. When you say active, we're talking about 30 minutes a day. We're talking about working out 30 minutes a day. Okay. Cause some people might think, oh, I'm just active. I'm going. And they might make up their own what being so, yeah. active so is. I'll, I'll refer to like a high-intense workout, anything longer than 30 minutes, and you're getting your heart rate over like 150. You're, you're sweating a lot, high-intense. You should be doing about three to four times a week. You hear that, everybody? At least 30 minutes of that. Yeah. So, and then, uh, well, okay, we already answered uh, the other question. Have you been, uh, you've been training for 12 years? Uh, and uh, the, the last one, well, okay. Uh, why, why did you become a personal trainer? I guess they want you to... You know, if you have... I bet you like 90% of personal trainers were once overweight or had a health condition at some point, or maybe they were bullied. Um, I fit under that category. I was overweight. I was insecure about how I looked, and I was bullied um, in school a lot. Was I bullied? I wasn't necessarily bullied because I was overweight. I was also like always the only black girl in class living in San Jose. I kind of stood out, so became a target. But um, just that aided to me being insecure about how I look. And I think a lot of trainers, you know, um, because we have those insecurities, we flipped it and we focused or became obsessed with um, being fit or the best possible body we could get. And that's what drove me to be a trainer. Um, I was overweight. I was insecure about how I looked and decided I needed to make a change. I fell in love with it and I loved how it inspired other people to do the same. Wow. That, so that's inspiring right there. So who can't get inspired by, I mean, everything you, you said, there's so much inspiration there. Well, um, th thanks for, th thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, so all the places people could find you, uh, yeah, danielfitness.com, but, uh, yeah, last, last words. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can always DM me at Danielle Fitness Instagram. I think I'm quicker at responding there. And, um, you know, it's just daniellefitness.com if you're ever in San Jose off the Alameda. Pacific Spin and Strength, your first class is always free. And, you know, we're just a big family there. And we train everyone. I mean, we have clients as young as 16, as old as 85. I mean, at all body types. You're never too unfit to work out. I get that a lot. Oh, I'm not fit enough to work out. Um, you know, we get everyone moving. And I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm getting a lot of messages that you know, people love listening to you. Oh, thank you, Danielle. And I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, probably coming by checking out one of your classes. I'm a, I'm a Yelp awesome. elite. Yeah, so. we can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you so much. Yeah. Have yeah. a great Sunday. Hey, you too. All right, Jim, Jim Bruno. Over there. Yes. So you you think you might want to check out a class? You do something, spin lots uh, lattes, or maybe a butt lift or something. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, you're you're moving a little a lot further away. Well, not until the fall. So now now you're uh, peninsula based right now. Well, Daly City. Okay. So right up against the city, in the Westlake area, you know, right, right near San Francisco State. Uh, Westlake, yeah, yeah, that, well, kind of, that, like, behind, wait, Westlake. Yeah, near Lake Merced, about a half mile from the sea. Yeah, behind that shopping center gets a little crazy, man. Yeah. I'm over by Westlake Joe's. Yeah, it gets a little crazy back there. <laughs> Jim, Jim it's Bruno. pretty quiet, really. <laughs> Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where I'm at, it's very quiet. Like, uh, well, I'm talking about right behind. Uh, yeah, I don't live behind there. Yeah, because I get, I just secure you there. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking Westlake, uh, the Westlake Mall? Westlake, what, yeah, yeah, there was a shopping set, little shopping center thing there. Yeah, no, it's quiet, man. Huh. It's a little too quiet. But, okay. Yeah. A little too quiet. Let's make some noise. Yeah. See? You got, you got some song, songs for us today. No, I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to start out with a song um, that I wrote about, uh, you know, Ray Davies from the Kinks. He was shot, and a lot of people are, are unaware that he was shot in the streets of New Orleans many years ago. Uh, he was with a woman walking around the French Quarter, yeah. and a um, guy came up, snatched her purse. Ray ran after her and uh, was shot in the leg, actually. <clears throat> but... Uh, but he's recovered. So when I heard that, I wrote this song. Oh, good, good. I thought this was a... He, he died. Great took a slug in the lake but they say it's gonna be okay and I hear To do what's right This was such a funny place You never know when the thing might bring your turn May come To put up a fight Does it seem like 
future So confused Explosions rip Through the Gaza Strip There's riots in L.A. Desperate times breed desperate minds So someone's gotta pay A father? You think he had, I think he had kids, right? Oh, uh, probably. I don't know for sure. Hey, well, that's that's a good uh, symbolism of a father's a, day. Because what a father is supposed to be like a a man, a a good guy protects the vulnerable. Yeah, especially the the ladies. Yeah, yeah. Respect the ladies. Yeah. And Ray Ray did that. Hey, Ray did that. Yeah. He, yeah. Um. I don't know if he's fully recovered. I, I think he, I read somewhere where he's still having problems with his leg, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, how long ago was this? It was a, at least Something 10 years ago. ago. He still have, he doesn't have one of those robotic legs? No, no. No, I think a pain though, but hopefully not. I mean, I really admire his music. Yeah. I tried to write that song in the style of, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> of the era when they were doing Waterloo Sunset and songs like that. Yeah, it, so yeah, I know about Ray, Ray Davis. Uh, not always in my mind. That's why it's great having uh, great artists like like you on the show. Well, thank you. That's I mean, nice of you to say. I, I try to have uh, artists that are not just you write your own songs. Yeah, mainly when I perform, I mainly do my own songs. Every once in a while, I'll do a cover or two. Oh um, yeah, I'm sure. But I've been uh, yeah, I'm primarily a songwriter. And I mean. And, of course, well, you write your song, so your material is unique. But also, it's unique in general. You're not just, I could tell by listening, you're not just vibing off of someone else and going, okay, we just switch up some of these words. Yeah. You definitely, a lot of your songs, stories. A lot of my songs, what I'm saying? Are, uh, are a lot of your songs stories? Stories, oh, narratives? Um, not so much. <clears throat> not so much. Um, I try to write in a variety of styles to stretch myself. You know, I think that's how you get better at the songwriting. You know, I taught songwriting for a long time. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, uh, 11 years at Foothill College yeah. and about the same length of time at the Freight and Salvage over in Berkeley. Yeah, you, well, you spent some time in Italy too. Yeah, I've, been, I've toured Italy many times, playing music. Uh, they're great audiences, great people. Uh, you know, people say, People here in the States go, well, are they familiar with your material? I, I say, well, not really. Do you sing in English? I say, yeah, I sing in English. 
uh, but they, they, they love it. It was um, some of the best times of my life have been on those tours in Italy, eating the best food, meeting the best people, having the best audiences, really, really amazing. The showman life. Yeah. And yeah, it was great. And so Hopefully, they, I'll do some more. Did they know uh, like uh, the language, or it was just vibing off? No, the they. And you know what? I think I think to a big degree, <clears throat> there's a certain cachet with being an American songwriter and being an American performer. A similar cachet with, uh, you know, uh, if you if you somebody's coming, if you're going to somebody's house and you find out that they're that they're French or that they're from France or they're from Italy and they're cooking. Yeah. You naturally assume it's going to be phenomenal. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so they give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, okay. And they, they are open-minded enough to, uh, to, to to let you in. Okay. So, benefit of doubt. So it's like, a, like someone could, an American is like, wow. Uh, yeah, I think they, it, there's a certain amount of built-in cachet or credibility. Uh, and especially if you're from a from a town that they've heard of, like San Francisco or Chicago or New Orleans or Austin, you know. That sounds like that could go either way. Like that's, <laughs> that, that, boy, that could be a lot on your shoulders. But yeah, you. that's right. Yeah, you can't let them down. But it's kind of interesting. I was getting interviewed over in Italy on uh, uh, for Italian radio, and uh, they asked me, uh, so so. What's uh, Bruce Springsteen like, and uh, what's he doing now? And I'm saying, you know, we, we don't really, I don't, I don't know Bruce. <laughs> they kind of assume we all hang out together. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's how we are when people are from other states. I yeah, think, right. Yes. Yeah, um, right. What's Bob Weir like? You live in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't. I, I could probably. Uh, I've run into Tracy Chapman. I, I there guess. you go. Uh, well, she lives in this neighborhood, right? Or, or Novi Valley or something? Yeah, we, we didn't actually conversate. I was, uh, you know, she's had drinks at bars out here. Like, oh, okay. Like, oh, that's Tracy Chapman. Oh, hi. Yeah, yeah. She's high in a nice way. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so, I, I, let's. She's a lot of questions coming here. So, I. Uh, Gotta get you another going again, but uh, so we'll get to the. Can you describe how you would compose a song? Oh, sorry, a motorcycle just went by. What were you saying? Can you describe how you would compose a song? How I compose a song? Yeah, how you will, how you would compose a song. Oh, how you would compose a song? I guess. Uh, yeah, however you. Yeah. Question, I guess. Well, that's. It's an excellent question. Okay. Uh, it's All it's right. not a not easy to answer because uh, different songwriters take different approaches you know uh some songwriters start with lyrics some with an idea S my approach is to sit down with the guitar and start putting some chords together uh and I, I guess you could say i start with the melody first i record that um and typically uh some people start with the chorus i usually re start writing the verses um I, I kind of what you know. I want to nail the melody down so that I can. I've got a sense of where the song's going. Um, and once I nail the melody down, then I start singing uh, uh, just mainly like gibberish, just to kind of see what emerges. Then a key phrase will emerge. Uh, the song will start to what I call declare itself, and all of a sudden I realize, oh, this is a song about jealousy, or this is a song about. 
uh, about fear or uh, and, and the erosion of a relationship or whatever you may write the song about. Once I've been able to determine in my own mind what the song is about, then I'm able to be much more focused, of course, and the process of writing becomes much more rapid. But up until that point, it's kind of a, uh, I'm trying to figure out what this, where the song's going and how I can help make it happen. Wow, you popular guy. We've got a lot of questions rolling in, which can be great to go from song to song. Uh, but I guess someone looked up the situation you described in your song and um, I, I got a message. The singer chased the men, one of whom turned and fired, wounding him in the leg. Yeah. Uh, at a 25-year-old man named Jerome Barra. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, arrested and would be charged with armed robbery and an aggravated battery. Wow. So they caught the guy. Yeah. Oh. That's good. Say they had some good police out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, so there's a lot of questions coming in, so we, we better get into the next song and then okay. take, take a break for that. This song, actually, part of it takes place in the mission where we're seated right now. I'm going to do a quick tune because I care. <laughs> I heard that, sh that, that shows how real it is when people can hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes That's I, right. Sometimes I tune up my voice. I'm still on air. <laughs> All right, here we go. Gypsy in the mission, feast of all the saints. Used her intuition to reach a state of grace. Told us of the summer, coming of the storm. Oh, she really had our number, seen it all before. Oh, Marie, she could only see what she could see. It's not up to me to set you free You don't even know me anymore Fog outside my window It's quiet as a thief There is no way in though Much to my relief No note on the table No slamming of the door I did what I was able A man can do no more Oh Marie She could only see what she could see It's not up to me
the water But I can climb this wall I may be out of order Can't make that call Got my finger on the trigger Got my hand upon my heart It's up to me to figure what I'll know I guess I read more narrative songs than I than I knew. Oh, that's good. It's good. That's a treat. Uh, uh, with with that in mind, uh, this question fits. What's the difference between a songwriter and a lyricist? Well, a lyricist is a type of songwriter. Uh, most songwriters write both lyrics and music, lyrics and melody. Uh, lyricists, lyricists, though, uh, sometimes you know, sometimes you have specialists. People just write lyrics, and that's what a lyricist is. is. So it's like a s subset of uh, of, a, of a type of songwriter. Uh, there are some, some people just write melody, and the in in uh, in, pa in, in, in in the past, especially in the uh, what we call Tin Pan Alley era. Uh, which lasted in the earlier part, uh, mainly was in the earlier part of the 20th century in New York. Um, you had lyricists and you had melody writers. And that, that tradition continued all the way up until, oh, right up against uh, the, the Beatles, you know, where you had specialists, you know, just wrote lyrics. Now, um, there are great lyric writers to this day that it's, it's uh, and lyricists in the, in the Songwriters Hall of Fame um, so, uh, I don't think that you have to write both melody and lyrics to be a great songwriter. You know, Bernie Taupin wrote lyrics for, uh, Elton John, for instance. Uh, that model used to be the standard. And in the earlier part of the 20th century, when we had a lot of immigrants coming from Europe, um, people whose English was a second language, um, were mainly melody writers because their, their language skills weren't up to the task. And they would hire uh, native-born Americans to to write lyrics. So, yeah, I guess that that's what uh, comes. And now I start thinking about all the people that you see in the songs and uh, credits of, and they have five or ten different people that, that wrote this song. Yeah. That's becoming common, uh, more common. Nashville, it's common to have four or five people credited with writing the song. Uh, and that's that's become true with uh, with rap. 
where the producer plays such a big role that they often get songwriting credit. Uh, oh, so yeah. you, you'll see three or four people have written getting songwriting credit. The long-term money in the business is in songwriting. Oh, yeah, that would be the people behind the scenes. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I guess I see, yeah, I see that on rap lately, because it uh, seems like a lot, a lot of the music where it's like, let's just hurry up and get this out there, sort of thing. Like, versus, uh, what, what's a good song you can think of that's had so many people that wrote the song that uh you oh like where a lot of people get credit yeah there's none that i can think of off the top of my head they're they're rarely my favorite songs to be honest with you yeah uh, because I, uh sometimes you get too many cooks in the kitchen uh it's not a cooked parade yeah yeah um yeah. but uh i feel like if you if you were to uh, have a bunch of writers in a song it should be a really long song. <laughs> yeah. Well, the model that happens in Nashville is that uh, you get a bunch of songwriters in a room, and if they're in the room when the song gets written or mainly written, they all get equal credit. That's kind of an unspoken rule. Uh, but um, and that's kind of interesting. The other thing uh, about it is that in Nashville, you got to get the cut covered. So you got to get the song covered by by an artist, that's often the, the, the hardest part of it. So there's a business reason for having multiple writers. So if you've got four people credited with writing the song, you've got four people knocking on doors, four people trying to get uh, recording artists to record the song. So there's a business reason to have more people in on the uh, songwriting. Oh. Would you say independent uh, versus record label is, uh, uh, what do you think about that? And then we'll get into a... Uh, oh, independent labels as opposed to majors? Well, Just independent, uh, independent in general versus like... Oh, uh, uh, do it yourself? Or, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, unfortunately our business, uh, and by that I, I mean the recording industry, is a mess right now. I mean, it's it's a... It's a mere uh, ghost of what it once was, um, mainly because of streaming. You know, um, you know, you hear people who got two million views, uh, two million streams, or two million views on YouTube, and they'll get a royalty check for sixty dollars. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really th things like Spotify and um, services like it. Uh, I love it as a consumer. I hate it as a writer. I can see that. You know, yeah. I love having access to all this music, but by the same token, I get my royalty checks, and they're they're pathetic. You know, so uh, the business is going uh, uh, under, uh, going through a very difficult time right now. Yeah, I kind of feel. Yeah, I, at first, I kind of felt bad in a way. I was like, well, this isn't really giving money to the uh, to the real artists. But then just like getting on iPhone or something, I was like, uh, I'm folding. Uh, I like to hear my music right away, I guess. Yeah. It's gotten, you know, it's, it's going to be very difficult to, it, it's always been extremely difficult to be a professional musician, songwriter, whatever, producer, whatever part of the business you're in. It's become especially difficult nowadays. Yeah. 
you know, because uh, see, in the old days, let's say you had a hit record in, uh, let's say, say, uh, Jailhouse Rock by uh, Elvis. So you got your A side, Jailhouse Rock, and then you got the and the person who wrote Jailhouse Rock, I, I can't remember their names, uh, uh, Lieber and Stoller. You know, they had a huge hit. I don't know what was on the B side, but the B side got as much money as Jailhouse Rock. So you had all these opportunities to kind of piggyback on huge successes and make a living and get a payday that maybe would pay your rent for the next five years, you know. Now, those opportunities are gone. So the, the, uh, can you still uh, do well in the business? Yeah, but it's much more rare. There's, there's, it's, it's just, you have to tour constantly to really make uh, to make a living. You gotta keep, yeah, you gotta keep with it. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's hear another song. Okay, this is a song that... I'll let this fire truck go by. Boy, tune. In, intro music to it, huh? I hope it. I hope it's not coming here. No. A little bit. The exit's uh, right, right I would by say me. I would see the smoke. Is it? <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. Maybe the place is on fire. <laughs> well, we have apartments yeah. over there, so it could be. Yeah. Well, this is this is a song. I, I think if you go out and hear music for the next year or two, you're going to hear a lot of songs that were written during the pandemic. This is it. Okay. So this has got parts uh, of the pandemic inspired.
Life unfolds as we grow, that's just the way it is, and that's for sure. Time's a river running fast and wide. Hang on tight, don't lose sight, it cannot be denied. Staying home, I think that I might write a song. All right, that was a pandemic song. Yes, it's a pandemic song. You'll be hearing a lot of those in the. I'm ready for the those out of the pandemic song. Now <laughs> we're out of it. Yeah, now we're out of it. Let's celebrate, huh? Yeah. What's the, what's the next song? You Ready for, for that yet? Probably give it some time. Yeah, give it time. We have to heal, huh? After all this this last couple years. A lot of people sure not uh, aren't sure yet we're out of it. So ready for the Delta Strain songs. <laughs> right, the Delta Strain songs. Right. The Delta Delta Blues is taking on a whole new uh, connotation. like you're getting geared up for do another one uh, yeah it looks like you're getting ready we'll do a up-tempo one after that one.
your heart or your heart may explode It's never that easy and never that clear When you howl at the moon and the moon doesn't hear We weren't meant to discover and never will know Why the ones that we love disappear like the snow But I know in the end it's only a matter of time only a matter of time that's right but uh what comes to you well besides that song uh what comes to your mind with the, uh, it's only a matter of time we're like right in this current situation that we're in in the world oh i don't um i don't know the you know it's oddly enough the song was written about when uh, my I, I lost my mom and my cousin uh not too far apart you know so i wrote about kind of about them and I didn't want it to be uh, a minor key sans, sad song I wanted to make it up tempo so uh, the matter of time is just the ine inevitability of you know of life yeah so that okay so it sounds like that that song is really about uh, life moving on yeah it's more about yeah it, it, it's, it's about life moving on but you know uh the inevitability of uh, being hopefully reunited with them yeah. in a matter of time. Hey, that, that's a true artist right there. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. of course, sorry for your Thank loss. You. And, yeah. And, uh, it sounds like, like, that's what I like in, in music is, like, probably, I probably wouldn't even know a lot of things, uh, like like how you, you said what the song's about. Yeah. Uh, what a lot of songs... Uh, I yeah. To her about it until someone really says something like, "Wow, I thought it was about." Uh, I know that's. I think that's part of the fun of songwriting, and and part of the fun of being a song uh, a, a songwriting fan is hanging around with your friends, going, "God, I didn't. I never looked at the song like that, you know, yeah. and seeing it from another angle." Yeah, I kind of like. Well, just like uh, in the relationships. Songs. Yeah. Like I like I like my Motown and oldies. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. I never liked this new stuff. Uh, it's like we don't really care for the new country. I, I never cared for the boy bands. Right. But I still love some romantic music. Yeah. Uh, but it's I don't quite hear the sadness like I'm gonna cry. But the the artist is singing deeply. But it just he just it, if a good I feel like a good artist just gets you in that realm mm -hmm. of just. I think music, uh, yeah, not actually making you want to just break down and cry. Music is a is a powerful drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah it keeps you tuned in. It can make you happy. It can make you sad. It can make you want to dance. It can, oh. it can, and it's it's a uh, it just it's amazing. I think, I think just well, just like I was talking about, uh, I had a heavy metal guy on, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of that music. Uh, it, you know, it can be real uh, depressing and uh, right. It, it could uh, like a raging music. So, well, when people are depressed, like, uh, you know, I feel like a song could be totally about just ending your life. Right. But the way they're saying it, that doesn't like they're really rocking out. You're rocking out so hard <laughs> with it. Yeah. 
you forgot about really wanting to end it. You're like, just, yeah. wow, that's, that was badass. Versus, yeah. uh, versus we were just so monotone about it. It's like, right. I still want to go through with it. You know, it's like, uh-huh. yeah. I, I, um, some, uh, yeah, and uh, let's see. I, so, uh, what artist do you like to listen to? Oh, well, you know, uh, the usual suspects, I guess. You know, by that I mean that Bob Dylan, uh, the Beatles, um, you know, uh, Jason Isbell is a, is a great current artist. He's a really good writer. I like, I like his stuff a lot. Um, I like Lucinda Williams. Oh. I like Steve Earle. Um, you know. Yeah, that was, that was a question that popped up in my in my messenger, mm-hmm. and then uh, one thing I'm I'm thinking is who are some artists that you really uh, enjoyed working with, singing with, mm-hmm. sharing the stage with. I uh, guess that, that would be. There's some really good artists, you know, locally. You know, uh, we mentioned Maurice Tanny earlier. I, I find him to be really uh, a fine fine writer. Um, yeah, he sounds like one of your uh, favorites. Local, local yeah, he is. Yeah, good guy too. Good person. I got a Father's Day song here. Oh yeah, let's do it. Okay, yeah, cause, yeah. I wrote it with my daughter in mind. I was so, told, so you have you have kids. I have I have one daughter. All right, happy Father's Day. Only Thank one you. kid. You yeah, only one. Yeah. You did the right choice. And <laughs> From that, she must be treated well. Yes, well, she treats us well too. Okay. She's a. Okay. So anyway, I wrote this with her in mind. It's called California Rain. Remember when it used to rain? Yeah. In California. (laughs) It's uh, what I'd call a have your back song. There's a small room deep inside my heart. You can run to things are turning dark when the thunder rumbles, the lightning crash. 